that with me, um, a lot of verses showed how Jesus was moved with compassion, that he saw people who were hurting or they were lost or they didn't have vision for their life. And he was moved with compassion towards these people. I want to help them. And so with that, he always did something. He brought heaven's resources to people who, who are, needed comfort and needed things. And so this last several weeks, I've just been praying, God, give me the same heart of compassion for other people that are lost, that are broken, that are weary. And that's going a lot in life right now. I think there's people represented here. There's people that you know that are broken, that are weary, that they need hope. They need comfort. And so part of that is, God, just give me this compassion to feel their pain. And God was reminding me that throughout Scripture, the Old Testament and New Testament, it says that Jesus was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. He knows what it is to grieve. He knows what it is to weep. He knows what it is to lose loved ones. He knows what it is to go through our pain. And he's saying, but at the same time, I know how to bring hope. I know how to bring life. Jesus said, I came to give you life and that you might have it more abundantly. And so it's this, it's this mix, right? That in this season, you and I, we are to, to grieve. We are to mourn. We are to be compassionate and feel people's pain. But at the same time, we don't just stay where people are, right? We've got to bring hope. We've got to bring life. We've got to bring vision. And so that's what I want to talk to you this morning about is this vision of understanding the end. And so we are going to be looking in Matthew chapter 25. And so if you brought a Bible, you can get that out. If you have an app, you can open up to Matthew 25. And I want to give you some context of what we're reading in Matthew chapter 25. In um, chapter 24, bleeds in to chapter 25. It's kind of the same story. It's a lot of red letters. And in the beginning of chapter 24, giving you context, um, the disciples, Jesus' disciples, come to Jesus. And they hear Jesus talking about the, the temple being destroyed and some difficult things. And so they say, Jesus, can you explain to us what is the end going to look like? What's going to look like when you return? You keep saying you're going to leave and then you're going to come back. So what is it going to look like at the end? And so Jesus, in, 20, in chapter 24, Jesus begins to explain the end times. And he explains there's going to be persecution. There's things that are going to get dark. There's things that are going to be difficult. Um, and then in chapter 26, it's actually the end of Jesus' life. So I'm giving you the, the context of 25. 26, that's when Jesus has the Last Supper, his very last meal with his disciples. He's betrayed. He's arrested. He's denied. Um, he's on trial. He's about to be crucified. It's the end of his life. So I'm giving you the context of this end. And in 25, you have Jesus in red letters still talking to his disciples, his followers. He's talking to you and me. He's saying, all right, here's the end. Let me give you a vision of the end. It's not just doom and gloom. It's not just everything's going to be difficult and persecution. Yes, that is going to happen. He said it in 24, so I'm not negating that. But he's saying that we've got to have a vision of the end that's healthy. And for me, I know there are some in the church that they might read chapter 24 and we just think, oh, I can't wait till Jesus returns and just takes me out of this earth. Things are just going to get worse and worse and worse and worse until the end, until Jesus comes and then takes us out of here. So I am just going to bunker in. I'm going to try to hide. I'm going to try to just hang on for dear life until Jesus returns. And I'm saying that's not the vision I want us to have as a church. That's not the vision I want you to have in your life where you're just saying, oh, the government, everything's going downhill. Our nation, everything's going downhill. The world, everything's just getting worse and worse, and I, I can't stand life. I don't like how things are playing out. And then we live with hope deferred, and our hearts are sick, and we're discouraged, we're depressed. 
That's not what Jesus wants. He's revealing the end to make us wise, to understand the end times. But he's also in Matthew 25, he's going to give us some parables. He's going to explain some things so that we understand the church actually at the same time of things getting difficult and dark, the church is going to become beautiful. There's going to be revival. He's going to pour out, there's going to be a latter rain. There's going to be this idea. The church is going to be beautiful when he returns. So my vision of the end dictates and determines my attitude for today. And I'm saying I want to have a healthy vision of where we're going. I don't want to be these people that don't have a, a healthy vision of the end, right? We can see the end because we see the end with health, with life, with joy. Oh, it brings refreshment for today. So if you haven't yet, uh, Matthew 24, 25 is where we're headed, right? Um, and so this first chunk of verses, we're going to look at verses 1 through 13. We're still pulling it. Oh, we're up. We're live. Oh, good. Well, welcome back, Facebook people. Uh, welcome back. Um, and so we are in Matthew chapter 25. We're going to read. We're going to do a lot of reading. We're going to read the entire chapter, and there's like 40-something verses. So are you guys ready to read? Um, you can maybe follow along on the TV screens. I don't know if that's up yet. Um, but I'm going to read from the New Living Translation, and then I'm going to switch to the message, and then I'm going to switch back to New Living. So I'm going to make it really difficult on you. Um, hopefully it'll be up on the screens for you. If not, you can read in your translation, and sometimes I think it's good that way because you're getting different... Um, Getting, uh, trying to stay along and hear the, the way different uh, translations read it. So let me read to you. Actually, before we read, I know we've prayed a lot. Can I pray one more time? Is that allowed to pray one more time? Uh, that God helps me, that God gives us a hunger for his word. I know I believe the word of God is living and it's active. But I know I'm not the only one here that has read a scripture before. And for some reason, I did not read it as living and active. I read it and I, my mind was somewhere else and I read verses and it did nothing to transform me. And there's times where I read scripture and man, the words were leaping off the page and conviction was hitting, right? And so I'm praying that we are all hungry. We just, many of us spent 21 days fasting. I know my kids are so excited after service. They get to have sweets. They get to have dessert and sugar for the first time in three weeks. We're excited. Uh, we got plans. We know what we're doing. Um, but with this idea is it creates hunger. And so I'm just praying that even as I'm delaying before we're out to read scripture, that there's this hunger. We don't read it as just like, oh, okay, his pastor's just reading 40 some odd verses. Let's stir up a hunger inside of us for God's word to nourish us, right? We live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. I love that this is the logos, written word of God, but out of the logos comes the rhema, the spoken word of God that gives us life. So let's pray that God does it this morning, all right? God, I thank you. I thank you that even though we have technical difficulties, there's things that can be wrong in our life that are way beyond technical difficulties. God, I thank you that your word brings life, that we can stand on the truth of your word, that experience says one thing, but your word declares another. And I choose to live by every word that comes out of your mouth, God. And I want something fresh to come inside me today. That would be just like when I put food into my body and it brings nutrients, it brings energy to my body. God, I pray that as I spiritually read spiritual words, you would bring spiritual food into my soul and that I would be nourished and strengthened and have bright hope for tomorrow. So God, I ask for a blessing and anointing over your word in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. All right. Matthew 25. You know what? I don't think I even have. I would have told you I was going to read it in New Living Translation. And I got to pull it up on my app because I have New King James right in front of me. Um, so give me a second. I'm stalling again. If my iP Man, technical difficulties. Look at this. All right. It's coming, I promise. Just making you more hungry. The longer you wait, the hungrier you get. Come on. 
All right. Matthew, yes. 25, yes. Different translation. Maybe later. I don't want to rate you right now. I just want to read. New Living. All right, here we go, finally. Verse 1. The kingdom of heaven will be like ten bridesmaids who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The five who were foolish didn't take enough olive oil for the lamps. But the other five were wise enough to take along extra oil. When the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, they were aroused by the shout, Look, the bridegroom is coming! Come out and meet him! All the bridesmaids got up and prepared their lamps. Then the five foolish ones asked the others, Please give us some of your oil, because our lamps are going out. But the others replied, We don't have enough oil for all of us. Go to a shop and buy some for yourselves. But while they were gone to buy oil, the bridegroom came. Then those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was locked. Later, when the other five bridesmaids returned, they stood outside calling, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he called back, Believe me, I don't know you. So you too must keep watch, for you do not know the day or hour of my return. All right, we're going to stop there. So there's a lot going on in there, and there could be a whole message in there. In fact, man, I haven't preached for the last couple of Sundays. I can preach for like three hours today, right? You guys are good? Uh, no, I won't do that to you. Um, but uh, there's a couple of things I want to highlight in there. Um, again, the vision of the end. The idea is that Jesus is returning, and there's this idea of bridesmaids. This is us, the church. And there's five foolish, five wise. What di differentiated the five foolish and the wise was the oil they had, the supply of oil they had. If you read in Scripture, scholars agree that oil represents the Holy Spirit. And so there's this idea of that they all had a lamp, which all had oil in it to begin with. They all were part of the church. They all believed that Jesus died on the cross, was their Savior. They were waiting for the bridegroom. But in this story, there was a delay. I think it's in verse 5, verse five or what is it? Yeah. It was delayed. Can I tell you, if you read through Scripture, read the Gospels, read Acts, read the rest of the New Testament, the early church, they thought Jesus was going to return in their, their lifetime. They, every generation is ready for the whole, Jesus to return. And it's been over 2,000 years. There's been a delay of Jesus' return. And there are people who believe that Jesus died on the cross. But there's something here where they're saying, no, you've actually got to have oil. And this message is not about being baptized in the Holy Spirit, although I do believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Um, and I think this is a good reference of that, that there's this idea that you can have your lamp lit and then there's this extra second vessel of oil that you can have where the Holy Spirit comes and fills you to overflowing. And that's, I believe that's part of what's going on here. But I think what this is declaring is that before Jesus' return, there's going to be another outpouring of the Holy Spirit. That we read in Acts chapter 2, there was a day of Pentecost. There was a day when Jesus kept promising, it's better that I go, that I can send you the Holy Spirit. And there was this day when the Holy Spirit was just poured out. They spoke in tongues. All the gifts of the Spirit were, were, were revealed, right? And all these things that, again, this church, we believe all the gifts are still for today. But there's something that I am believing, that before Jesus returns, I have this vision of the end, that before Jesus returns, there's going to be another outpouring of the Holy Spirit, it's prophesied in Joel. Peter quoted it on the day of Pentecost, right? In the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. There's this longing. There was five that were wise that were saying, no, I'm going to bring another vessel and I'm going to believe for another filling of oil in this other vessel. I'm believing that something great is going to happen before Jesus returns. 
And I love that in verse 7, it says that they trimmed or prepared their lamps. In the middle of the night, when things got darker, during the delay, it became midnight. Things got worse in the world. Things got darker. But their lamp didn't go out. And it says that while things were darker and they were preparing and, the, and Jesus was about to return, right? That they prepared or trimmed their lamp. That word, um, let me read to you in the Greek, is cosmeo, which would be like cosmetic or cosmetology. So this word preparing their lamps, I read to you in the Greek, this is the definition of cosmeo. To beautify, to arrange, to decorate, to furnish, to embellish, to adorn, to put in order. This is a picture of revival before the second coming of Christ. That the church is going to become beautiful and radiant, adorn herself with the Spirit of God. I am believing that even part of this coronavirus, even part of all the reset that God is doing in the world right now, that is setting the stage for an outpouring of His Spirit. And so I have hope. I'm not looking at my current circumstances saying, oh man, everything's going bad, poor me. I'm saying, no, God is preparing for the second outpouring of the Spirit to adorn, to get things in order, prepare, to beautify us. So I love that it's us doing it, but it's also Jesus is going to be the one that's going to beautify us. I can't make myself as attractive as I want to for Jesus. But praise God, He sent the Holy Spirit to make me attractive to Him. That somehow Jesus, we sang that this morning, that he dances over us. That sounds like a weird phrase. That Jesus delights in us, that he loves us, that he enjoys us, that we're the apple of his eye. There's something that the Holy Spirit does that makes us beautiful. I relate a little bit. Uh, I'm going to try to make this my three sections, and I am going to try to speed this up because I know it's going to take me a while. I got a lot in my head. Um, but this section, I relate it to actually the vision that God gave me back in 2019. Does anyone remember last year's vision? This year's compassion. What was last year's vision? Launching out to the deep. Launch, right? The year before that, you remember? Now connect with the year 2018. 2019 was supernatural. Supernatural. So that was our vision for 2019. Supernatural. I was believing and I still believe that, that Jesus wants to do something supernatural in this church. That in fact, as I'm looking at Rick Martin's family, I can remember during this year, 2019, supernatural the beginning of the year he came to me after a service one time he's like pastor so you are saying that you want to move out into the supernatural that you're willing to take risk he says i know you preach and you believe that all the gifts are for today and for those of you who maybe not know he was struggling with cancer and he came to me after a service he said pastor have you ever thought about having a healing service and when he came to me it was done in such a sweet and submitted way but it was a way that I'd already been thinking about that and I realized he encouraged me, but he also convicted me because I realized I hadn't done it yet because I still had fear of man. I still thought, what are other people going to think? What does my own family get? I got family members that think that's kind of weird. Like, that's kind of out there. That's super Pentecostal. They're like, actually say healing's going to take place in a service and we're designating a service for that to happen. But it took someone like a sweet man like Rick to come to me and say, Pastor, would you consider doing something like that? Because he longed for the supernatural. He wanted something to happen. And so I just use it as an example. Man, we were going after the supernatural. And I just, I praise God that the vision he gave us for 2019 doesn't mean it was just in a box for 2019. It's saying, no, we keep adding to this vision. 
I love what Paul told Timothy. He said, don't forget the prophetic words that were given to you, Timothy. We laid hands and we prophesied and we gave you future. We gave you future callings. We told you what the end is going to look like, who you are called to be. Don't forget those things. And so again, he reminded Timothy, don't forget the end result. And so same thing, I'm reminding you of the visions and the prophetic words that God has given us, that God wants to use you to be supernatural in other people's lives. That he wants you to be, I'm saying, Oz Neighbor Church, I'm believing that we are going to be in the forefront of the supernatural, that we're going to be the forefront of the second wave of God pouring out his spirit on all flesh. I'm saying, I don't want to be with the last church to be filled. I want to be on the cutting edge. I don't want pressing in saying, no, I want all that God has for us, and I want our leader, I want my family, I want my workplace to be impacted by the Holy Spirit filling me and making me beautiful. Making me beautiful. Again, I'm talking about maybe supernatural seems strange and weird. So what happens? What's the end result when the Holy Spirit fills you? Galatians chapter 5, verse 20 says it, right? What's the end result? What does it look like when the Holy Spirit has filled you? It's the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit, right? The end result is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I'm saying I see the end. I see you being so filled with the fruit of the Spirit that that's what attracts the world. The world says that, Scripture says that they will know us by our love. That's a fruit of the Spirit, right? They will see our good works and glorify our Father and glorify our Father in heaven. I am believing that it's not just going to be this strange supernatural thing happening in the church building. I'm saying, no, what's going to happen before Jesus returns? The church is going to be so beautiful and attractive, not only to Jesus, but to the rest of the world. People are going to see you so filled with the peace of God. How do you have peace when things are going crazy in our world? Because it's not my peace. It's the fruit of the Spirit living in me. I'll share this. You know, I've, I've, like I said, I might take a little longer because I got so much in my notes and I have so many things that are not in my notes. And I even practiced preaching this sermon yesterday and I went like five different directions every time I preached it. So yeah, I have no idea what's about to come out. Uh, but what I'm about to share with you, one time it came out, so I'll share it again. Um, uh, I didn't ask permission, but Sandy um, had a vision. I don't remember the timing, a week ago or so. Several days ago. Um, I didn't ask permission, but I think she's okay share, me sharing this. Um, but the idea was she saw um, like a geyser. Like everyone knows Old Faithful, the water shooting up, right? It comes and it shoots up. And the idea is that Osmond Church, or you individually, would be geysers. Where, right, that living water would sprout out of us, right? That something would just burst forth out of us. That it wouldn't just be the Holy Spirit filling us for our sake. The Holy Spirit would be coming upon us and filling us for the world around us. And so the idea is this geyser shooting forth, how does that happen? Well, there are rivers, underground rivers. There's water that flows under the ground. And there's the, it moves. It's always moving forward. It's not stagnant. It's moving forward. And there's this idea that why does water shoot up? Because there's actually something hot underground. There's fire. That we are getting passionate. That we're getting on fire for the Lord. And as this fire and passion and heat grows within us and as the rivers of living water are flowing in us that it can't help but all this pressure just begins to explode and the goodness of God the fruit of the spirit the supernatural just comes out of our lives that the beauty of God comes out of us for the world to see 
this is what I see happening in your life. That you are not going to see, I get where we're at right now. I know that, again, Jesus was a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. He wants to comfort. He wants to heal you. And I'm not saying it's wrong to want the Lord to do that. But I'm saying, I see you. I see us as Osborne like geysers. We're getting ready. The Holy Spirit is moving inside of us. Where Jesus, the living water, is in us. And at some point, we're going to burst forth. And I'm believing for this. So that's the end. I believe Jesus is talking to his disciples. He's talking to you and me this morning. Can you see the end result? I know you're in a pandemic. I know you're quarantined. I know this is happening. I know this is difficult. But I'm preparing you. That word, cosmeo. I'm putting things in order. I'm beautifying you. Right? Are you getting this? That the Lord is beautifying you right now. In this season, let the Holy Spirit and Jesus make us beautiful. All right. Um, There's a whole lot more. Maybe I should go back to my notes. Make sure I'm not skipping something. Um, all right, I'll do this really quick before we move on. Um, I grew up in the church, so I grew up singing kid Sunday school songs. I know there's no way I'm the only one up here or in here today that knows this song. There's got to be other people that know this song besides me. So when it comes, when I say this part, spring up a well. Oh, thank you. Somebody knows. When I say spring of well, you're going to say splish splash. So even if you don't know the whole song, you can still participate. Even if you're back online, I know I can't hear you, but I go back and I watch all the comments. So I'd love for you to even type in splish splash for me, just to make me feel good. Um, so I'm going to sing a song. You can sing along with me. If you don't know it, you usually get to say splish splash when I say spring up well. There'll be other people around you. So you guys ready? I'm singing an old Sunday school song. We'll be a little silly, but there's some words in here that are pretty powerful. Ready? Here we go. I've got a river of life flowing out of me. Makes the lame to walk and the blind to see. Opens prison doors, set the captives free. I've got a river of life flowing out of me. Spring up, oh well. Splish, splash, and give to me. Oh no, that's the end part. Oh, I messed it up. Daniel, help me. Spring up, oh well. What's the next part? Make me all. Split. I'm ruining it. All right, let's say it before we sing it. So I say, spring up a well, splish, splash. Within my soul, spring up a well, splish, splash. And make me whole. Spring up a well, splish, splash. And give to me that life abundantly. All right, there we go. So we got it. We don't have to sing it again. Woo, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Give yourself an applause because I do not deserve any applause on that one, apparently. Um, but the idea is you hear that, that little kid song, and it's supposed to be fun, but there's prophetic words in there. Give to me that life abundantly, right? There's, I've got a river of life flowing out of me. It makes other people, it makes the lame to walk, the blind to see. It opens prison doors, it sets the captives free. The idea is that I sing this song 30 plus years ago. And I was prophesying of what the end is going to look like. I was prophesying of what Ryan is going to look like. What you are going to look like. Rivers of living water coming out of me. And it's going to be splish splashing on other people. And they're going to be set free. They're going to be made whole. I feel like there's so much truth behind this. And yet it's hard for some of us to receive that. I don't want to camp on this, but I just feel like I have to say this. I said it in one of my prayers. I prayed already seven times today, I think, in front of you guys. Um, 
Let me ask you a question. I'll say it this way. Do you believe this is the truth? The whole truth and nothing but the truth. What's more true, God's word or your emotions? God's word. What's more true, God's word or what circumstances tell you? I believe there are some of you listening, whether it's online or you're here in person, some of you, your emotions and circumstances are telling you things that are contrary to the word of God. And I just feel like in this moment, you have to make a decision. Is God's word my standard or is circumstances my standard? And I understand, it's not, I'm not saying something that's easy. Because some of you, your circumstances are very real. And you have every reason in the natural and with practical wisdom to believe this is going to be the end. This is the end result. Because this has happened and this has happened over and over again, it's going to happen again, Pastor. I know it's going to happen again because it always does happen like this. And I'm telling you, you've got to understand God's word is the authority over your life. This is not in my message. Well, it is now, but it wasn't prepared. Your future is better than you think it is. You've got to hear the word this morning. If I stop right now, there's some of you, you've got to understand, you've got to have a better vision of the end. This morning's title is, We Can See the End. That's my heart's cry, is that, that Pastor Ryan and one other person leaves today seeing the end. I'm saying, no, we can see the end. I want everyone here, my heart's cry, I've been praying that we as a church together, we see the end. That my hope becomes your hope. That my vision becomes your vision. That you're willing to say, Pastor, you don't know, you're not living in my circumstances, but today, I'm willing to let go of my circumstances and my emotions and stand on the truth of God's word. I'm willing to be a little silly and be like a kid and sing that song. I don't feel it. I don't see it. But I'll declare it. I've got a river of life flowing out of me. We can see the end result of a church supernaturally filled with the Holy Spirit. All right. So moving on to our next passage. We're reading in Matthew chapter 25. You read the first 13 verses. I'm switching to the message. We're going to read the next portion. I'm reading in the message. You can read whatever you want to read. But it'll make more sense if you read it with me. I got to switch over and I got to switch to my app too. So give me a second here message. There it is. We're in verse 14. So we had this story about um, the bridesmaids. Now, another story. Verse 14. The kingdom of God or the end, it's also like a man going off on an extended trip. He called his servants together and delegated responsibilities. To one he gave a $5,000, to another 2000 to a third one, 1000 depending on their abilities. Then he left. Right off, the first servant went to work and doubled his master's investment. The second did the same. But the man with a single thousand dug a hole and carefully buried his master's money. After a long absence, again, you hear that, the master of those three servants came back and settled, settled up with them. 
The one given $5,000 showed him how he had doubled his investment. His master commended him. Good work. You did your job well, or as I know it, well done, good and faithful servant. From now on, be my partner. The servant with the 2,000 showed how he also had doubled his master's investment. His master commended him. Good work. You did your job well. From now on, be my partner. The servant given 1,000 said, Master, I know you have high standards and hate careless ways, that you demand the best and you make no allowances for error. I was afraid I might disappoint you, so I found a good hiding place and secured your money. Here it is, safe and sound, down to the last cent. The master was furious. That is a terrible way to live. It's criminal to be cautious like that. If you knew I was after the best, why did you do less than the least? The least you could have done would have been to invest the sum with the bankers, where at least I would have gotten a little interest. Take the thousand and give it to the one who risked the most. And get rid of this play it safe who won't go out on a limb. Throw him out into outer darkness. We'll stop there. So if you see my correlation, I took the first parable to the supernatural. This one I'm correlating to last year, launching out. The Lord is wanting you to launch out into the deep, to the unknown. We did that last year. Does it mean, oh, we're all done? Well, guess what? We're still in the pandemic. We still got things that are bleeding over 2021. Can I tell you that word is still fresh for this year? Launching out. The Lord is saying he wants you to take risks. The play it safe, he said, was wicked. The one who played it comfortable and did the easy life, he called him wicked. The person who was willing to take risks to get out of their comfort zone and try things, right? Faith, we've said this several times, is spelled R-A-S-K, right? Faith means that you don't know for sure what's going to happen, but you hope and you put faith into this might happen, and I'm going to try this. I, I love that it's a story of an investment. For me, it, it ties in perfectly to the, the idea of a stock market, right? I, I have money in the stock market. I have an IRA, and um, this is kind of a random side note. Uh, when I worked at AT&T for nine years, I had AT&T just kind of take care of my 401k. They were putting money in it and they were managing it. And then it's only been several months, you know, less than a year since I left AT&T and I rolled everything to IRA and I'm now paying like an actual investor to take care of it. I was like, oh my gosh, paying instead of this company to just kind of do nothing with it, but actually pay for this man who knows what he's doing and knows how to invest. I've like, I can't say doubled, but it's like I've gotten... A lot more money in this last year during a pandemic having someone who knows how to wisely invest. I was like, oh my goodness, I should have done this a long time ago. Why am I saying that? Because even I have experience of knowing what it is to get a return on an investment. I enjoy getting a return on my investment. I'm sure many of you, you want a return on your investment. But if you know the stock market, you can't when you see the stock market going down, you don't take all your money out because now you just lost money. And you see everything go back up. Oh, let's put it back in. Well, you just missed out on the gains. You have to have consistency. You've got to have longevity. And that's what I love about this. It says right away the servants went out and invested. But it says there was a delay. There was a long time that passed. There's this idea that, that consistency is important in our walk with the Lord, but so is, so is taking risks. Oh, sorry. I have a phrase I want to read to you, and that's why I'm trying to find my notes. Over here. Yeah, so in verse 19, it says, After a long time, the Lord came to settle accounts. So again, there's this long time. If you focus on the short term, 
you may only see dips or things going negatively. But if you consistently look at the long term, have a better picture of the end game, you'll see a return on your investment. If you are focused on just the loss of the pandemic, just the loss of your candidate for president, or if you're just focused on what's currently happening, right? It brings discouragement. It brings loss. It brings frustration. But when you see the end, you're not tripped up. Consistency will bring unexpected returns into your life. Consistency compounds. So this, really quick. I feel like I got multiple sermons, multiple things, but hopefully you're tracking with me. Um, Last year was 2020. I think I heard most churches or even people outside of church talk about 2020 means vision, right? Perfect vision. You can see with clarity 2020. Um, And when I was praying about 2021, vision for this year, the Lord gave me the word compassion. But as I was thinking about the year 21, I was thinking about the year 2021. Most of us write just 21 when we write the date, right? Today is 1-24-21. In fact, this week, right, is the same backwards or forwards, right? If you write the month, day, year, right the other way, both ways. Anyways, I don't know if it's this week or it's last week. Anyways, um, um, the idea is 21, I felt while I was praying, it was kind of conversations. Everyone know, like, sometimes you're interceding, you're really in the presence of God. Sometimes you're just talking to God and having a conversation with Him. And in this conversation, I felt like the Holy Spirit said to me, two to one odds. The year 21 is two to one. Two one, two to one odds. And right away when I heard the Holy Spirit say two to one odds, I thought of this story. That the wise servant invested and got two to one odds. The one that had five doubled it. The one that had two doubled it. Two to one returns. Yeah, however you say that, right? Um, And I feel like the Lord is saying this is a year, right, connected to the launch, connected to all these other things, that there is going to be return on your investment. Before Jesus returns, there's going to be two-to-one returns. Before Jesus returns, the scripture is saying, before the master came to settle accounts, there was returns on the servant's investments. I don't mean, I'm not talking about investing in the stock market. You should all go invest in the stock market. You're going to get two-to-one returns. I don't mean that. I'm saying spiritually, the church. What was the rest of our verse from last year? It was launch out into the deep. There's actually another part of that verse and let down your nets for a catch. Jesus was talking to Peter, to fishermen. He's saying, I want to teach you how to fish for men. I want to teach you how to invest spiritually. And as you do, as you take risk, as you go share the gospel, there's going to be a harvest. Can I tell you how many times I read about compassion? All these verses I found about compassion, there was tons of verses that talked about how Jesus was moved with compassion on the multitude. And as he was multitudes came to be his followers. And Jesus would say, man, the fields are wide into harvest. They were all connected. This idea of compassion and fields wide into the harvest. I have said several times, I'm believing before Jesus returns, there is going to be a great harvest. And he's saying that this year, two to one, it's a year for us to invest. It's a year for us to take risk, to share our faith, maybe where it's not comfortable, where we might look strange, where someone might laugh at us. And the Lord is saying, yeah, well, just take the investment. You lose some, you win some. But would you be willing to take some risks? And he's saying that this is a year you're going to get a return. Be consistent. Don't just try it one time and say it didn't work. Try it again. Try it again. Be consistent. And watch how your consistency to launch out, to take risk, you're going to get an investment. You're going to get a return on your investment. Is that making sense? So 
these different portions. Um, I had something up here. Let me say it this way. I'm stealing this from Francis Chan. I've shared several times from this pulpit. I am a Chan fan. If you don't know who Francis Chan is, great pastor. Um, look him up. YouTube him. But he did this one time, and it's always stuck with me. He did this little visual. He says, you know, this rope, and he had a rope that went off the stage and went on forever and ever and ever. They talked about this rope being your life. And he says, this red part right here, this is when you were born, and this is when you die. This is the end of your life here on earth. But you are an eternal being. Your life goes on forever and ever and ever and ever. Pretend this rope goes off the stage. While we live here, some of us are maybe, you know, my kids are right here towards the beginning. Some of us, we're closer to the end. And somehow, we live with a mindset thinking, oh, I can't wait till I get to the last third. And then all the stuff I worked really hard, I'll just get to enjoy my last third of my life. And we're just so focused on this life right here when this is not the end. This is your life. There's so much more after you die. And God is saying, man, would you look at the end? Not this end. Look at the end of your life that goes on for eternity. There's things when he says, enter into my rest. Well done, good and faithful servant. There's this idea, we've got to have a vision of the end. When you are just focused on your problems here and not your victories and all the results of what you do with your life out here, we're living foolish. And he's saying he wants us to be wise servants. Steward this part well so that there are rewards. Where he says, I love the, 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 the message that we just read. It says, be my partner. Do you realize for all of eternity, we're not just going to be sitting in a bed resting. We're not going to be in a church service singing songs for millions of years that's stuck in a chair singing songs. No, we are going to be doing things. It talks about his kingdom is expanding. The universe, I mean, I don't want to get a side tangent, but you know our galaxy, right? Outside of our there are more galaxies being created today. The universe is expanding. God is not done creating. I don't understand all of what it looks like, but I know this is not just my life. My life is going to go over here. And there are things, there are consequences of happens over here zillions of years from now based off of what I did here. Somehow we've got to shift our mindset and say, this is not the end. The end is over there. Is that making sense? So I want us to be wise. I want us to understand the end. When we have a healthy perspective of the end, it helps change our vision for today. Amen? All right. Got to go way faster. Last point. We've got to read the last several verses. All right, so I'm moving back to New Living Translation. What verse are we in now? We're in verse 31. Let me do that on my phone. I'm in my thing. Here we go. Let me switch back to New Living, and we'll finish this off. We'll go quick. Here we go. So this is the end, the end judgment, right? But when the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, then he will sit upon his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered in his presence and he will separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. A drink. I was stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. 
I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink or a stranger and show you hospitality or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth, when you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren and sisters, you were doing it to me. Then the king will turn to those on the left and say, Away with you, you cursed ones, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons. For I was hungry and you didn't feed me. I was thirsty and you didn't give me a drink. I was a stranger and you didn't invite me into your home. I was naked and you didn't give me clothing. I was sick and in prison and you didn't visit me. Then they, then they will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or, or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick in prison and not help you? And he will answer, I tell you the truth, when you refuse to help the least of these, you are refusing to help me. And they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous will go into eternal life. Wrapping it up here. Jesus is saying, the end result. This is our year of compassion. I don't know if you've seen it in here. But Jesus is saying, those who have compassion, those who have compassion, they inherit my kingdom. Those who live life focused on themselves are missing it. You're missing opportunities. That those that are naked, those that are in prison, those that are sick, actually when we visit them, when we help them, Jesus is saying we're doing it to them. We're doing it to him, right? <sighs> okay, I gotta, I know, we're going to go over a few minutes. So you just got to bear with me. We have verses still up? Those are still good or no? All right, because I have this in my notes. I got to hit this really quick. Uh, where's my notes? Hold on, hold on. I'm skipping stuff, trust me, so I can get you out of here. But I'm also keeping stuff in that I feel like I got to keep. All right, talking about compassion, talking about the end game, talking about shifting what our world looks like today. There's a story that you might be thinking is kind of strange, but let me read it to you. It's in 2 Samuel. You don't have to turn there. It'll be up on the screens. 2 Samuel chapter 15, verse 5 and 6 says this. When people tried to bow before him, Absalom wouldn't let them. Instead, he took them by the hand and kissed them. Absalom did this with everyone who came to the king for judgment. And so he stole the hearts of all the people of Israel. Pastor, what are you talking about? I didn't give you context or anything. King David was the king sitting on the throne. His son Absalom wanted to be the next king. In fact, he didn't want to be the next king. He wanted to dethrone his dad. Evil was in his heart. And so what he did was he would go to the gates. And before people, as people traveled to Jerusalem to come see the king and get justice and hear their, he was the judge and he would hear their cases, Absalom would be at the gates and he'd say, oh, the king's too busy. Come tell me your problems. Oh, I wish I had power because then I could fix your problem for you. And he would act compassionately towards everyone. They would say, oh, you're the prince. You're the king's son. And they would bow down. Oh, don't bow down to me. And he would kiss them and he would be so compassionate to them. And it says that he stole their hearts. I got to wrap it up, so I'm going to be a little more blunt. There are some politicians who are great at this. They will steal the hearts of the people by giving money, by doing whatever they can to appear compassionate, but their hearts may be evil. But can I tell you, I'm, I'm just, I'm being blunt. There's also a story where God says this in, in Genesis, oh, is it chapter, I have it somewhere in here, Tower of Babel, you can look it up, I forget what chapter it is. Um, 
God says, look at these people. They're united. If I don't come and do something, nothing could stop them. They could do anything. Even though they're evil and have an evil intent, God recognized that these people have so much power. And I feel like I related it to Absalom. Even people that are being compassionate with an evil heart, they can win the hearts of people. It's just a principle. It's a truth that when you are compassionate, you win the hearts of people. And I'm saying that for us, our vision for this year is not to manipulate people, is not to be well-known. It's not for Osborne to have a name for itself, to promote ourselves. No, I have no desire to be manipulative or to be evil. But I'm saying I want the kingdom of God to be advanced. And the principles of God's word show that when we are compassionate to the least of these, you win the hearts of the people. How do we change this nation? I don't even want to bring up that whole Pandora's box, right? There's a lot of us that have different thoughts about where our nation's headed. And I'm telling you, it doesn't come from speaking the truth and hitting people over with God's word. Arguing never wins the battle. Compassion, it wins hearts. I don't care about winning the war. I care about winning the hearts. I don't want to win an argument. I want to win your heart. And I'm telling you, as a church, as we learn to be compassionate, genuinely, and I love that he gives the example that when he talks about the church, they're saying, God, when were we doing that to you? Meaning they were doing it in secret. They were going around not blasting, hey, look what I did today. Not testifying to everybody, I, I fed the poor today. So nobody even, like, God, oh, I remember I did feed somebody. I didn't know that was you, Jesus. The idea is that there's humility in our hearts. It's not for political gain. It's not to make the whole world a Christian like us, to make them think like us. No, the idea is I just want to love people. Wherever they're at, they think different than me. They have different religious beliefs, different political beliefs. I don't care about all those things. I just want to love you. I feel like I'm giving tons of information today, lots of different things. I got to wrap it up. But let me, I'm going to say these sentences before I really wrap it up. It says this. I want to say this out loud. We shape history and culture by winning hearts, not the war. I'm going to say it again in case you're taking notes. We shape history and culture by winning hearts, not the war. We need to influence people from the inside out. It's important that we have a strategy that wins the heart. So as the worship team kind of comes back up when we close this morning, I feel like, in a sense, there was lots of different things that I set up here this morning, but our prayer was, that his word would be living and active, that you would receive something from God. So would you take a minute, just as we're getting ready, that we close the worship service with a song. Would you take a minute just to close your eyes and ask the Holy Spirit, what is it? Maybe there was a lot taken in. Maybe you're taking everything in, but at least something. In fact, can I ask you, even would you just put your hands out in front of you as a, just a, a physical posture to say that you're receiving? So, as I pray, just make it your own prayer. Holy Spirit, I, I want to live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Father. I want to be transformed. I, I want to leave this service different than the way I came in. God, I, I want rivers of living water. I want to enjoy life. I want to receive the life that you have for me. 
So even with my hands in front of me, by faith, even though I don't feel it and I might not see it, I receive your life. I receive your word. I receive your forgiveness. I receive the truth that you dance over me when I am unaware that you are better to me than I have ever been to you. And that no matter what I do, your love never fails. Nothing can separate me from your love, God. So God, I, I want to be a wise servant. I want to be a wise steward of the blessings you've given me. I choose to focus on the good, not the bad. I choose to look at life half, with a glass half full. I choose to see the end. I choose to fix my eyes on you, Jesus. I choose to see that my life is good. And God, I thank you that you've called me to have influence on my family, on my workplace, on this city, on this nation. God, I, I believe that things are going to change. Yes. That before you return, you are making your church beautiful. You're making me, you're adorning me. And I want to be filled with your spirit. So fill me afresh, fill me anew. I choose to rejoice. I, as we began the service with worship and we end the service with worship, I choose to put on a garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness. I choose to be glad. I choose to rejoice. I choose to serve the Lord with gladness. I choose to open my mouth and speak blessing, not curses. I choose to speak life and not death. I choose life. God, we thank you for your word. That it's the standard. And I choose to live according to your word, not to my emotions or my thoughts or my circumstances. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen.